bet it feels pretty good to be Brazilian right now. These are the scenes as Brazil demolished South Korea in the first half and books a place in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Hello, welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined here in the studio today by Ali Moreno. And of course, the Brazil game is how we will start today's show. They were absolutely brilliant in the opening 45 minutes of this tie. Everybody contributing, everybody looking exceptional on the ball. And at 4-0 at half-time, the fixture, of course, done and dusted. South Korea would get one back, but the tournament favourites really impressing. Well, let's welcome in, shall we, Nadim Anua and Gab Marcotti. How long have I worked with you, Nadim? I can't still see you, Nadim. Nadim's with us, as is Gab. Um, <laughs> Nadim. Nadim just wants wow. to go home. I know. It's his last day. He's done. <laughs> He's, He's turned the page. <laughs> He's uh, we'll be hearing from the guys in a moment. Uh, Ali, I just, I just want to start with you. Without a doubt, that was the best performance we've seen, isn't it, that, that, that it, first it, half? It's the best 45 minutes, certainly, that we have seen from Brazil, but I think it's the best 45 minutes that we have seen from anybody yes. yeah. in this World Cup. And it's scary to think how good Brazil can be when given time and space in transition, and then these guys take over, and there's just options everywhere. Now, we've talked about it coming into the tournament, that there's a whole lot of options for teaching. It's one thing to talk about it, and then a completely different thing to actually see in on the field, the full display of all the options and everybody getting involved. Everybody getting involved with passing, with moving, with dribbling, with crossing the ball, with finishing chances. The assist to Richarlison's goal after what was a beautiful play from Richarlison to begin with comes from Thiago Silva. Mm -hmm. Thiago Silva is now playing through balls. Everybody getting involved in the attack. The finish from Vinicius, and, and people may, may just say, well, he had time to bring the ball down. And what, what, The fact that he actually brings the ball down and just passes the ball, massages the ball into the back of the net. That would not have happened a year ago for Vinicius, but it's happening now. There is quality everywhere. Neymar coming back from injury. He's also looking good in transition. Paqueta getting involved in the attack. Rafinha, who did not score, but was active throughout the course of the match. Everything and anything that you wanted to see from Brazil, in this World Cup, we just saw in those 45 minutes. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was special, Nadem. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very impressive. You know, that was a very special 45 minutes. And I think, for me, the performance I can think of that was a bit different to so that was maybe Spain against Costa Rica. And then we can say, well, it's only Costa Rica. But Costa Rica beat Japan. Who beat Spain and who beat Germany? So maybe it was actually an incredible performance overall getting the 7-0. <laughs> but anyway, I think for Brazil, you know, you can find some very clear positives. Good to see Neymar back out there. Now I was leaning towards Argentina should they meet in the semi-final because I thought if Argentina have Messi but Brazil don't have Neymar, then I think I'd lean that way. But now that Neymar is back, you can see it's a big boost for the team. They really were very attacking today. And don't get me wrong, it's not the best version of South Korea that we've seen. And maybe, you know, they were significantly overmatched before the game even started. But I think for Brazil to send out that sort of performance and have the confidence that they have and to sort of give their fans something that they can really believe in, I think that makes a big difference when they then go into the next round. Gab, I think I'm right in saying this is your 18th World Cup. and You know the pressure that is on Brazil going into these tournaments <laughs> and the expectations that they have back at home. The way they played, I thought especially, of course, in that first half, was like it was just a friendly on the beach. It, it was incredible. 
Yeah, I, but I can assure you there is, I mean, I mean, people, there's often a misconception about Brazil because they're so talented and it's so easy and it's, you know, the friendly on the beach and whatever. But there is a ton of work that goes behind this. And I think you have to give a lot of a credit to, to Chichi, uh, their coach. You know, he's been there, what, since 2016. Um, he, he treats them like a club side. They have this, this whole club side ethos to them, which um, I think is what helps them remain balanced when they go out and they play in these games and turn on these performances. Uh, they're comfortable. If there are egos, they're not dividing the dressing room. You know, there's a clear hierarchy. There are leaders there. It really is a perfect blend in terms of, uh, in terms of chemistry. And I think they're going to be very difficult to stop whoever they, whoever they play against. Uh, the pick of the four goals has to be Richarlison's, doesn't mm. it? Which starts with, is John see me juggling it? Yeah, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> and obviously Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, and then Richarlison with the finish. Yeah, well, well, you can take any of the goals and, and actually find some magic behind them. But yes, to, to your point, the combination there. And, and when we talk about, about Brazil and how successful they have been and impressive they have been in the attack, part of what makes them so impressive is the fact that they're willing to counterpress as they lose the ball, that they're able to regain that possession of the ball very quickly, which is why Thiago Silva is in an advanced position, which is why Marquinhos is in an advanced position. Then Richarlison with individual skill, Thiago Silva able to find the through ball, and then Richarlison takes his time, finishes well. And at that point, we knew the game was over already, but at that point, it, it was sort of the culmination of, man, if this team gets going, yes. there's no stopping them. Yeah. If this is how they're playing, there is no stopping Brazil. I look at Brazil as the team with the highest ceiling in this tournament, and we saw that for 45 minutes. Now, sustaining that is going to be difficult. Now, obviously, the competition is going to get tougher as they advance, but that was some kind of performance offensively. Not only in the fact that they created chances, not only in the fact that they put away those opportunities, but also that counter-pressing that I'm talking about. The fact that late in the match, they're still chasing around. That you see Richardson chasing people around. That you see a team that has a mindset of regaining possession of the ball very quickly, being on the front foot, parking themselves in the attacking half. And when there are moments to go in transition, these guys are running with the best of them and they have all the talent in the world to finish the opportunities that they create. What, all, what else caught the eye for you today, Nadim, from Brazil? I think that, that is a good question. Um, I think in regards to them having that first half the way they did today in terms of scoring those four goals, I think to talk about the other side of it, they scored three goals in their group. And as crazy as that may be, they were the lowest scorers in their group. I think defensively they only conceded one and obviously that's a huge positive. But, you know, we get more excited about this sort of free-flowing Brazil. So to see them come out the way that they do, to be as attacking as they were and to be as clinical as they were, you know, for people who like XG, that XG was really high for this game. So I think that was what was, that what, that's what got me. You know, there was a sense of excitement and free-flowing nature. You know, the, the way they were playing, as I say, was... It was really positive. I think there are lots of nations that I can, I can name England specifically who want to see like a more attacking style of football. Well, you know, you see Brazil do that today. And as, as, um, as Ali was saying there, they're ceiling there. You can see them drifting towards it. And if they do manage to hit that sort of level, I think he's right. It's good. They're going to be a very, very tough side to beat because at the end of the day, you can either, they can either be defensively solid or they can go in a shootout. And in a shootout, you get the feeling they're going to score a ton more goals than you might. Dancing. Mm. Some have uh, taken umbrage to the celebrations, particularly for the third and fourth goal when the game was, was already gone, already done. Right. Well, Brazil are dancing even before the game starts. 
I'll tell you, quick story time about Brazil. They had destroyed us in Venezuela 4-0 in a World Cup qualifier. Both teams are now on the tarmac of the local airport waiting for our charters because we needed to catch a flight for the next World Cup qualifier. Guess what they were doing? Dancing. So they dance before they win. They dance when they win. They dance after they score. They dance before they score. It's, it's part of the culture. You don't like it, you don't have to watch it. I don't mind it. Guess what? They earn the right to celebrate the goal however they want to celebrate. If you don't want Brazil to dance, stop them from scoring. Good luck with that. Nathan? Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, what people saying, like, you know, after you score, just apologize to the opposition. I'm really sorry that we scored against you. We will now <laughs> jog back to the halfway line and we will not do that again. Like, don't be ridiculous. I think the way that they do dance, and as Alex just meant there, it's like, it's part of their culture as such, their footballing culture, just the culture in general. And that's them having fun. It's not disrespectful to the opposition. It's, they've earned the right to celebrate by scoring goals. If you want to do something similar, score more goals, score some goals and be creative in celebrations, do something different. I don't find it disrespectful, I find it essentially Brazilian and I, I like it, it shows them sort of enjoying their football, enjoying being around each other and you know instead of just moaning when something great happens, you know they really celebrate it and you can feel that from the outside and obviously for South Korea you'd be disappointed but the best way to stop them dancing is to stop them scoring so surely you go back to that football element and at the end of the day you know you are the only person that can stop them and if you can't do it then let them dance. Uh, where do you stand on the dancing, Gavin? <laughs> uh, like, like the boys say, it doesn't bother me one bit. I think the dancing, the lightness, the fun thing, um, you know, that becomes an issue, that becomes a problem if it's not accompanied by discipline when they're actually playing. And, and there is a lot of discipline to this Brazil team. Uh, let's not forget, you know, you, you've got this the very talented front four, and then you have a guy in midfield like Lucas Paqueta, who is essentially a number 10. He's not a central midfielder. He doesn't play that, that deep, and yet you have it so you can have another baller on the pitch. Well, that means everybody else has to work that much harder. And what Ali said there, you know, about R Rafinha running around, chasing players, working, you know, all of this, it, it, it adds up to a team that, you know, can be disciplined and, and can also enjoy those lighter moments, yes. but once they've earned them, by scoring. Can, can we talk a little bit about the team spirit of Brazil? In, in a World Cup, or in any tournament for that matter, when you're around a team for as long as these guys will be, even did they end up making a run deep into the tournament, you sort of have to enjoy people's companies, right? Because... It's good that you never went to a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I was a great teammate, and I was a fun teammate to be around. I may not be fun now, I was fun then. Uh, but the point being that Tite, one of the best things that he does with this great group of talent, with, with so much talent going around, is keeping everybody happy, keeping everybody part of the mix, part of the conversation. And it may not be a big deal to anybody, but I think for a team and the dynamics of a group, the fact that you're able to take Allison out and put Weberton in, the third goalkeeper, so that everybody has played in this World Cup, it means something. It means something to the group. It means something to the guys that are now have been together and that are trying to achieve something together. It, it's just a, it's a, it's a detail, but it's a detail that lets you see into the makeup of a group, a group that is truly together. And if this is Brazil, truly together, playing for each other, enjoying each other's company and dancing, that means they're winning. 
Are you surprised Neymar played as much as he did? I was. I thought after halftime there was no need yeah. for him to be yeah. on the field. But I would also say that the second half was no more than a 5e2. It was no more than a training session for Brazil. So maybe it's just, hey, let him run around for a little while. And uh, Neymar was one of the players that, in fact, in the second half were trying to slow things down and just play keep away for as much as or for as long as he was out there. So I don't think that that put a lot of strain on Neymar and his ankle. But had it been me, at halftime, I said, Neymar. Yep. Come on down, let's hide this ankle and let's take care but of it. But was he thinking about the Pele record? Do you think that was in his mind and that's why he stayed out and why Chiché didn't want to pick a fight? No, I, th I think you're looking... Right. Reading too much into it. Reading too much into it because, as I said, Neymar was one, was one of the players that was very willing to slow the pace of the game down in the second half. If he were thinking about breaking Pele's record, yeah. Uh, look, let me tell you something. He would have been all over it and actually going in a back and forth like Rafinha. Rafinha was still trying to score, but he was one of the only few Brazilian right. players that was actually trying to do something offensively in the second half. Neymar didn't play a part in that. Uh, let's get more reactions, shall we? Alexis uh, was at the game. How much of the 90 minutes were you dancing, Alexis? Oh, Dan, I was dancing straight through that first half. Let me tell you, it was a fitting send-off for the last match that we're going to see at that stadium, the 974 Stadium, which pretty much stole the headlines because it is made entirely out of shipping containers. And what a match it was. Everybody was out of their seats in those first 45 minutes. I would say the stadium was probably 70% Brazil fans on either end. And then the other 30% was a mix of neutral fans as well as South Korea fans but I think those neutral fans probably left now as Brazil fans. It was a perfect reminder of why so many of us across the world have fallen in love with the Brazilian style of football, the dancing. Everybody absolutely loved it. You know, people were getting up and, and, and dancing in their seats. I had some really great seats. I was three rows up from the pitch, so I could pretty much see um, everything quite clearly. And the rows of Brazil fans that were in front of me, I mean, after a couple of the goals, they were turning around and they were looking at me with their hands on their head and their hands over their mouth just saying as Ali would say absolute filth but of the good variety <laughs> and once again you just felt like now the doubts that people had about Brazil after the last match of the group stage you know just finally faded away they reminded their fans as Messi did with the Argentina fans don't worry trust in us and then the fact that Neymar was back he got the massive round of applause when they were reading out the team sheet names there every time he came to the side and attacked he was just greeted with uproars of fans and everyone taking out their phone and he loved it. He loved it so much that at the end of the match, he walked the length of the pitch just to applaud everybody. He was giving them the Gareth Bale hearts and just reminding them that he's here and he's prepared to do everything he can for the country. But it was unreal to watch, honestly. I mean, we get to see the likes of Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo Goish all the time, week in, week out, um, in La Liga, up close and personal. But the pace and the passing that they're able to do it, that Joga Bonito, the fact that they looked like they were enjoying it too, it was just something else, you know. And everybody's asking which teams you should fear. Yesterday, Declan Rice said, you know, people should probably pay more attention to England and learn to fear them as well. And I think <coughs> Brazil just reminded everyone, even with the substitutions, I know you're going to laugh at that one, but why they are probably now the most feared team of this tournament.
I don't think it's even a debate, is it, after what we saw today on top of some of the performances in the group stages, Alexis. What was really nice as well, the tribute we saw at the end of the game, of course, for Pele. Yeah, you know, Dan, and that's just one of many tributes that we actually have been seeing and that I have noticed that even other football matches too, you know, we got to see the USA against the Netherlands and there is a big tower across from that stadium and a couple of the buildings here in Qatar have been lit up with Pele and his pictures and him and them saying, you know, get well soon. But in the crowd, they had a number of people, a number of Brazil fans with get well soon Pele and a massive banner that they kept bringing up at one of the ends. Um, pretty much about every 20 minutes or so and it was always met with a round of applause even you know the South Korea fans had their own they had a, a face of Pele with the South Korea flag because it's truly he is a legend you know and it was sweet to see this morning too that he posted a picture from back in 1958 and and he just wanted to use it to wish luck to this Brazilian team before this match to tell him look he was able to to carry his country's flag and live his dreams and he has no doubt that they could do the same and after to see the players do that. Rodrigo and I think Neymar came out after the match and said this win was for Pele. We are all with him and I think that that, you know, could also be another factor as if Brazil even needed any more motivation after the last couple of years that they've had in international tournaments to go out there, get to the final and win this World Cup. Yeah, you feel that sentiment is going to grow and grow, isn't it, as this tournament continues. Uh, Alexis Nunes, as always, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Well, we know, don't we, that Brazil will now face Croatia in the quarterfinals. And just a reminder, ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. This one went to penalties in the end. It would be Japan who were openly scoring, Croatia getting the equaliser, and then extra time, nothing much happened, and then penalties would see... Japan missed three of them, or have three of them saved. I'm sure Shaka would make sure that I'd say. Uh, Croatia then advanced to the quarterfinals. Uh, Gab, you were at that game. Take us through it. Well, obviously, we saw Japan come out, take the lead, and you wondered, you know, do they have another win? Do they have another upset uh, in them? It was the first time, actually, that, uh, uh, that we actually saw Japan um, playing with the lead, other than, obviously, you know, when, when they came back into the game against, uh, uh, against Germany and against, uh, and against Spain. And uh, then Croatia getting the equalizer with Perisic. What really struck me about this is we talk about Croatia, we give the whole... You know, band of brothers, patriotism, tough guy speech. We talk about uh, Dalic, the, the coach, being being so loyal to his veterans. Well, he made a very brave decision. He removed his veterans. He removed mm. Kramaric. Then he removed Modric and Kovacic. Um, then he removed, uh, later on, he removed Perisic, who scored the goal. Those were three of his penalty takers, and he put his trust in, in other guys, maybe lesser guys, if, if, if you like. Um, I thought that was a really, really brave move for him. It's not something you often see in a World Cup. You know, when Modric went off, I thought, oh my God, have I seen the last of Luka Modric in a World Cup? And yet, you know, there was, it worked out. I thought it was a brave decision. And it just kind of reinforces how, you know, after the game, he said, everybody always underestimates us. But, you know, we got something that the rest of the world does not have. Looking at it, it was difficult to say who deserved this one, isn't it? It's fair. Yeah, so I, I would say that early on, Japan were pressing high and, and, and they show a certain urgency. And you just imagine, well, this can only last for 20, 25 minutes because nobody can play like this for 90 minutes. And eventually Japan went back to 
just kind of absorbing pressure and then going on the counter and in transition. Which then, by the 10th or 15th minute, I was thinking to myself, this has extra time and penalties yeah. written all over. All over. Because both teams were very aware of what each other were trying to do. And I thought that Croatia were in trouble. Once Japan went up one nothing, I said, I, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen Croatia create a whole lot. I haven't seen them really put passes together or control the pace of the game through Modric and Kovacic and find balls in behind. The couple of times that they were dangerous, it was because they, they were able to find some spaces. But then, to their credit, they made an adjustment. Instead of passing the ball around between Modric and Kovacic and trying to build through them and Brozovic, you know what? We're going to be a little bit more direct. We're going to put it out on the flank. We're going to find some crosses and maybe we win a header. Perisic with a great header 1-1 and then after 1-1, it was very unlikely that anybody was going to take a chance going forward and risk giving up a goal. Croatia wasn't going to do it. Japan wasn't going to do it. Eventually, we're going to penalties. And let me just tell you about the penalties. We have to stop with these little slow run-ups. Unless you're a big-timer, elite player in the world who has done this time and time again <laughs> under pressure, stop the slow run-ups because you think you can manage the moment and you don't quite understand what the World Cup is all about and that environment and how that changes your body. So all that confidence that you have with the slow run-ups, ah, it all gets thrown out the window yep. when you're about to take a penalty kick in a World Cup round of 16 match against Croatia or against Japan for that matter. So Livakovic, the goalkeeper for Croatia, give him some credit. And let me highlight Livaya and the penalty he missed while hitting off the post. <laughs> what in the world? I know, I know that was. I, I'm, I'm going to bring a name that is going to. You got away with it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a name that Gab is going to be a little bitter about. Oh no. Jaja. Right. Huh? It, you remember the one with, with the high oh, knees? Yes. With the, with, yeah. Huh? Yeah, like the well, Simpsons bowling. Yeah, well, okay, that worked out very well. Why are we doing these things in moments of high pressure? I do not understand. Nate, I mean, it's supposed to be easy to sit here, isn't it, and analyze. We're not on the pitch, we're not there, but you just think, just whack it. Yeah, you, you would think that, but you know, speaking as somebody who was a horrifically bad penalty taker, I have nothing to say on the matter, to be honest with you. And just the mere fact that he stepped up is a lot better than anything I've ever done before. Because let it yeah. be known, the only time I was in a penalty shootout was for England under-21s, and I was actually number 11. So if you need any <laughs> guidance from me, I think you're very much missing the point, Dan. So I refer back to you in the studio, because Ali Moreno has the technique and the mentality, apparently. <laughs> no, no, me, he doesn't either. It, so please, Ali, He's behind on. you, he's number 12 somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's outside my kind of range, Nate. <laughs> it, it's too far away. Um, disappointing overall then for Japan, Gab, obviously to go out in this manner, but overall a successful tournament considering they made it through to the knockout stages in a group with Spain and Germany. Look, overall has to be a, a successful tournament, getting this far. It, it is a really, really big deal for them. That said, I don't know. I, I, I Throughout this tournament, I look at their manager, Hajime Moriyasu, and I can't figure out whether this guy's a genius or whether this guy hit his head because so many of his more talented players, like Kaoru Mitoma, um, like Minamino, okay, obviously not in form, but if the guy who's been there, done that, he would leave them on the bench, he changes lineup, he changes formation again, moving to the back three again. Every game that seemed to happen, then he'd make a load of subs. I guess it's a different way of approaching it. It's, it's, it's trying to, I suppose, you know, with the, the five substitutes saying, I'm going to use them, I'm going to exploit it to the max. There were times when it worked, and there were 
I think also other times um, when I think, it was, you know, he's going to look back on it as a missed opportunity to have his best guys out there for as long as possible. So, Japan out, Croatia through. The gift for Croatia, of course, is now a clash on Friday against Brazil, according to the bookies. No surprise here. Brazil are 5-1 to one on to advance. You've got $5 just to win the one. Uh, how do you stop Brazil, Nathan? Uh, that is a great question. I think that is a great question. I think for Croatia, I believe they are very good at sort of moving the ball, trying to get ways to control the game. People like Modric getting on the ball is fantastic. But if you manage to, if Brazil managed to put them on the back foot, then I think they'll struggle. But I think Brazil, for as good as they are, they're not perfect. Maybe at times you could maybe get them to overcommit, perhaps, and then maybe you could isolate some of the some of the differentials in terms of the Brazilians at the back. You know, Thiago Silva is a great player. But he's 38 years old, you know, something like that. He's even, even older than me, and I'm retired already. Obviously, I'm comparing myself to Thiago Silva. <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. Um, I think for Brazil, they aren't perfect. And you saw in the group stages that they did you know, you saw in the group stages that they weren't perfect overall. They could make changes and things didn't necessarily go the way that they wanted. They can score goals, but it's no guarantee that they will score goals. And I think for Croatia, they have to make sure that they're solid, make sure that they're tight defensive structures in play. And they might forego a bit of possession. But they can still kind of control certain elements of the game without necessarily being on the ball. And then the longer you can frustrate Brazil, the more jeopardy exists because you know that one goal may be all that you need from that match in itself. I think you look at the way, say, Cameroon beat Brazil, and obviously there were changes within that. But it was what I don't think Cameroon necessarily deserved to win the game per se. But it still came away with three points from that match. And I think if you look at Croatia, they're a team who've made it to the final, a team who believe that they can be going further along. And as the manager said, people seem to continually underestimate them, even though they seem to be going further and further in these tournaments. So I think for that, it's just about staying solid, not offering too much to Brazil and becoming open. Because if you do become open, they will tear you apart. Yes, that Brazil probably have the better players overall. But the fact is, it's still 11 versus 11. And in Croatia, they have the experience to be able to step forward and offer a game plan of just soaking up a bit of pressure, but then making sure that when the moments are there to attack, they attack in a structured way and don't leave themselves open as they go forward. I'm concerned about Croatia's fitness. And it's not only today's game against Japan and the fact that you went into extra time mm. and the stress levels of this particular game. I'm going back to the game against Belgium. That was a stressful match as well. And had it not been for a Lukaku sort yeah. of shocker, uh, they probably wouldn't even be in the competition. Regardless, my point is, stressful match, emotional match against Belgium. Stressful match, emotional match against Japan. And now, you go and play against Brazil three days from now, and guess what? Brazil just had a training session. Right. And they rested most of the starters in the last game of the group stage. So you're talking about, in terms of just fitness and fitness alone, a much, much fresher team in Brazil than what you have in Croatia. We also saw from Croatia today that when Modric got tired, then Kovacic got tired, Brozovic, now you're taking players off the field and Petic is off the field and so is Kovacic and so is Modric and you're thinking the reason you take those guys off the field, while it is a brave decision, is because they're having difficulties moving around and they're having difficulties chasing around. Guess what they're going to have to do against Brazil? Move around and chase around. 
the fitness for Croatia will be a major, major part of this game. Well, and chasing Brazil is not easy to do in the best of circumstances. And these are not the best of circumstances for Croatia. Uh, speaking then of exhausted and emotional, uh -huh. it is Nadam's final day oh. uh, in Qatar. <laughs> Shaka Hislop will be there uh, to take the baton from it. How has it been for you, Nadam? Yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. I feel very privileged to have been here, firstly at a World Cup, but secondly with ESPN as well. Some really good guys in the ESPN team, as everyone probably knows from watching oh. and listening to the show. I can confirm it's good. The football's good. Oh, did I score a goal? Oh, my God. There's a shot. <laughs> but, yeah, I've had a fantastic time getting the chance to go and get, yeah, getting the chance to go and watch some games. Like, I, I love football. So to be seeing some of the best players in the world playing in some of the best stadiums in the world and seeing fan, fan bases from all... <laughs> <laughs> seen fan bases from uh, <laughs> sorry great memories fan bases from all around the world and not just like if I was covering England back home you only see one type of fan and they're usually quite drunk and over the top but now you see fans who sort of love the game for a different way like there's a studio next door and the media they've been banging on the walls and singing songs you know you get a real sense of the passion of, the, of how football is from more than just saying the place in England where I'm at and it's been a real eye opener ESPN have really looked after me Gab's been great. Everyone's been great. Producers have been great. The shows have been good. And I'm just going to let this one be out there. You know, oh, it's wow. just a shame we didn't have rights because unfortunately people had to watch that other channel. But, you know, they came over here <laughs> to get their stuff afterwards. Why was Jules in, like, every picture that we saw? Like, was he man-marking you? Or, like, uh, was no, he trying to live off your stardust a little bit? No, well, Jules likes to test himself, so he All stepped right. up to the big dog, didn't he? But, yeah, it was, yeah it's been very yeah. fun. Who have you Thanks developed a bigger And don't worry, Shaq will be here so he can get your enjoyment. Who's your bigger bromance with, Seb bigger. or Jules? Hayden? Uh, it's different. It's different. So, <laughs> so they're both older than me, but Seb is like, is as if he's like an 18-year-old brother, whereas Jules is at least the 42-year-old man that he is that just wants somebody to walk along with him somewhere. So it's two completely different things, but nonetheless, it's been fun. They're both harmless, so yeah, it's it's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> they're both harmless. Uh, what a compliment, uh, Nadam. Great stuff. It's been fantastic to have you with us over the last couple of weeks. Be sure to have a safe journey back. Uh, just a reminder then, Shaka uh, Hislop uh, will be live in what? Qatar from tomorrow. Be sure to join us as we'll be reflecting on those two final round of 16 ties. If you ever miss a show, you can download our daily podcast, which is available over on the website. Some bonus material normally oh. snuck in there Hello. as well. So be sure to check it out. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com FC, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. Ooh, Morocco, mm. Spain tomorrow, which could be an interesting tie. Mm. Spain, as you would expect, favourites four to one on though. Seems rather long considering Morocco three to one. They've impressed us so far. Uh, let's get uh, some analysis from a Spanish point of view because I think Nadim's already been kicked out uh, <laughs> alongside uh, Gab Marcotti. Now uh, Gemma Soler is there uh, to look ahead to the tie. We just give this graphic up, I believe, when we just set up Gemma. Oh, is she there? Okay. Are, are we hoping she's there? No, no. Oh, oh no! no. Oh, yeah. Ali, great. <laughs> Ali, how do you think this game's gonna go? No, no, Gemma's here! Hey! Gemma's here! There's Gemma. Gemma's oh, here. Hola! Hola, Hola Gemma! Come estas? ¿Qué tal todo en el Mundial de Copa? Oh, la Copa Mundial. Oh, I knew I should have done that. Oh, come wow. on, Dan. That's come on, Spanish. Dan. Well, <laughs> oh. it's, it's going well oh. so far. We are missing you so much as uh, always. Uh, but today I feel a little bit nervous uh, because mm. Spain tomorrow has a very tough uh, game. And, and you don't know what is uh, walking this, uh, this, this waterfront and, and ordering a coffee or food or whatever. When, when everyone asks you, where are you from? Spain. We're going to kick you out because absolutely <laughs> everyone wow. here, Qatar, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, all the Middle East, Africans and Asians are now going with Morocco. And Morocco, a team that have grown into this tournament. Yes, they have. And they present uh, some real issues for Spain. The transition of Morocco can be very quick at times. And Spain struggles in those transitions defensively. Morocco has also proven that they have defended very well. And what we saw from Spain in the game against Japan is when somebody puts numbers behind the ball, they find difficulties in terms of creating opportunities. And even when they create those opportunities, they haven't been able, outside of the game against Costa Rica, they haven't been able to put those chances away. You imagine that the chances are not gonna be all that many against Morocco. And so 
Where does Spain create those opportunities? And when they do create those opportunities, who's putting the chance away? Which was a question that we had coming into the tournament and was sort of put to the side after the Costa Rica game and say, hey, well, if this game, can, if this team can score seven goals against Costa Rica, they can score goals. But can they? Will they? Those are big questions for Spain going into this match against Morocco. Yeah, obviously the start against Costa Rica, perfect. But then we have seen weaknesses in this Spanish side, Gemma. Back at home, what are the big criticisms mm. towards Spain and what we've seen in those last two matches? Hmm. Probably it's the lack of efficiency in both areas, especially the, the final third. Um, there is quite a lot of criticism regarding Morata, eh, Ferran Torres eh, eh, as well, eh, and, and um, that that lack of creating clear opportunities and when they have, as Ali was mentioning, uh, when you're going to have, have few chances in uh, knockout stages of the World Cup, so you really have to be efficient there. And also in the, with the goalkeeper, there are concerns that have always been in the, in the last uh, seasons with uh, Unai Simon and once again, especially in that defeat. So there are concerns because when you concede two goals in 10 minutes against Japan, of course, I think you have to be a little bit worried. How do you see this game going, Gab? I mean, I think it's the kind of thing with Luis Enrique. I don't understand what he does. I just know that it's brilliant. I feel like he's some kind of genius that I don't fully understand. And sometimes he's a little too clever. I mean, what we saw against Japan, that was a self-destruction, in my opinion. When he doesn't start Morata, when you've got people who can hit a through ball like, like Gavi and Pedri, that seems strange to me because he gives you that, that verticality. Um, I think in a game like this, there's going to be a lot of emotion out there. You've got players like, like Ashraf Hakimi, who you know, are essentially Spanish, mm. um, you know, coming, up against, uh, coming up against guys that, 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 that he grew up with. So I think there's a lot of elements to it. I, I wouldn't be so sure that Morocco's simply going to sit and play on the counter. I think they have players like, like Buffal, like, like Ziyech, who can certainly go and, um, and create something out of nothing. And, and in fact, I don't think it would be right for them to sit when you've got people like, like Mazraoui and, and, and Ashraf Hakimi who are so devastating going forward. What's your pick then, Gab? I have to go with Spain, but man, I, it's, not, it's not a strong yes <laughs> on Spain from me. Gab says definitely Spain, Ali. <laughs> Not nearly as definite <laughs> as Gab, but I'm going to take Spain as well. And I'm expecting a big performance from my favorite player, Pedri. That's my guy. Yep. And I have to find hmm. from him, much like the Barcelona fans want to find from him, consistency being a threat in the final third. Because if you're not going to create chances with whomever plays through the middle, mm -hmm. those chances are going to have to be created by the guys underneath. And Pedri has to be part of that story. He has to be a player and a threat inside the 18-yard box. Maybe he's a trailing runner. Maybe he finishes a chance. And maybe that's all Spain needs. I'm going to take Spain. Gemma? I have to take a Spain, of course. Uh, as I was mentioning, I have a lot of concerns. Uh, Pedri was the main actor earlier today in the press conference. He's well aware that he will be much more studied than, for example, the last uh, Euros. Uh, and that 
that half of the team of Morocco, as Gabs was mentioning, uh, they were bo born in Europe, and a lot of them, the, a lot of the key players, uh, are born in the Spanish academy, football academies, so they know them very well. And um, I, I'm concerned as well because in that game against Croatia, they suffocated so much that that the uh, very nice uh, midfield of Croatia, that Modric, Brozovic, uh, Kovacic, they, they were able to take the oxygen out of them. So I think they will try to do the same with favorite uh, Alice uh, player uh, Pedri. Uh, my favorite, uh, I have to say, is uh, Gabi. Um, I think if, uh, if the, the Spain are able to do their game, and their game is the Luis Enrique's idea. For me, Spain is probably the most uh, um, created by a manager uh, team in uh, this whole tournament. If they are able to play something similar that what they want, they will win, definitely. Otherwise, if it's a very um, dog face uh, game, can I say, a cara de perro, uh, it's what we say in Spain, if it's a dog face game, then uh, I see it's hardly they, they can get a result. Scrappy. Oh, scrappy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not dog face. Uh, no, but I oh. like dog face. Oh, okay. That's good. I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I could have translated okay. that, no problem, don't worry. <laughs> you had it. Uh, Gemma, what happens then when Spain lose tomorrow? Do you go home straight away with them? What? Uh, no, I'm, I have my ticket uh, for the 20, so we are going to stay. Uh, not because only Spain will go through, but also because we have two days uh, of rest days soon, and I've been told there are good karaoke's here in, in Doha. Yes. So we have to try them with all the. Oh, the goodness me. Let's hope your Doha voice is better than your Barcelona voice, what? Uh, Gemma. I'm sorry, what? Uh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> the other remaining game will see Portugal take on Switzerland. And I know this will surprise you. I know it's a massive shock. But all the talk going into this tie from a Portugal perspective has been about... Cristiano no! Ronaldo, of course, no! was not happy when he was substituted <laughs> in that final game of the group stages. And uh, Fernando Santos has addressed that, saying... Have I already watched the footage? Yes, I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. From there, it's things you sort out internally. It was sorted out this way. And now we think about the game tomorrow. Everyone is, is focused on the game. He didn't commit, Ali. He didn't say whether or not Ronaldo was gonna start this game. Okay, come on, Dan. I know you have to ask a question. I know this is what we do, but there's no chance. There is no chance. And I mean, zero chance that Ronaldo not only starts for this team, but it's this team's captain. Why doesn't he just say it then? Huh? Why leave it in well, the air? Well, I, I would ask this as well. Why is he even saying, oh, I watched it and I didn't like well, it at because all? Because he's upset, Ali, and oh. that's why he's going to drop oh, Ronaldo. Right. Okay, then. Then do something about it, Fernando Santos. If only there was somebody in a position who could do something about it. Guess what? Nobody has done something about Ronaldo's attitude for the last 20 years. Fernando Santos is not about to start in the round of 16 match against Switzerland. It's not happening. Ronaldo will start. Ronaldo will be the captain. And if Portugal is to win, Maybe Ronaldo has to score. Uh, there was a poll apparently in Portugal. Who knows who took part in this poll, Gab, saying that 70% of the fans don't want him starting. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, look, it's one of those online, bo uh, online polls. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they, maybe a bunch of uh, United fans logged on to uh, the Abola <laughs> website. I, I genuinely don't know. Or maybe it's those Messi fans, those, those, yeah. those Cristiano haters. Look, uh, I, I agree with Ali. He's got to start, given the context, given 
given what he means, given the Fernando Santos's relationship with him, the way he's always backed him, always supported him. You know, it would seem pretty petty if at this stage he didn't start him. Um, you know, if you were going to make a change, if you're going to think about using Cristiano differently, the time to do it was before the tournament. Find different solutions. At this stage, for me, 100%, Cristiano has to start. Uh, as we're on, the, let's, oh, we're on the Ronaldo topic. Let's talk about that before we get the predictions for the game. Uh, 200 million a year to play in Saudi Arabia. He's going to sign January 1st. Gav, that's what we're hearing, isn't it? That's what they're reporting in Spain. I got to say, I've got my like skeptic big boy hat on hmm. for a number of reasons. <laughs> First of all, 200 million is just completely out of whack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I borrowed from you. Um, look, hey! I, Listen, the man has all the money that he needs. So 200 million, 150 million, 80 million, it's, it makes no difference. These are the, this reminds me of when David Beckham signed for the Galaxy, and the Galaxy very cleverly told everybody, look, he's going to make 50 million a year. It's a publicity stunt, right? Beckham did not make 50 million a year. We now find out that we found out the truth. Um, and I think it's similar. He, will he make a ton of money if he goes? Sure. Tell you what, I don't think he's going to go. There is no reason whatsoever for Cristiano to commit right now to, to Al Nasser. Uh, this, this thing that it's a done deal. Why? Why Russia? Why would George Mendes go and go and, and sign now? What, you think Al Nasser is going to withdraw their offer on January 1st? The man is unattached right now. He can pick his spots. Personally, maybe it's just a wish. I think we're still going to see him in the Champions League, whether it's Sporting Lisbon, whether it's somewhere else. I, I just can't see him just riding off into the desert like this. And I certainly don't believe he has actually made an actual binding commitment. Uh, Gavin, his big boy hat for a while, has said that he doesn't see why Real Madrid don't go in for him, Gemma, and make that move. Any chance? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, if something has proven Real Madrid is that they don't like second, story, second parts of a love story and they don't like to make it very long either. So I don't see any, any chance of that unless... Uh, he, his economic pretensions were almost uh, symbolic and uh, there was another marketing uh, slash economic uh, opportunity for, for one of them otherwise uh, if they didn't want him at the beginning of the season where uh, we still didn't know how could he per be performing in Man United, why would they pick him now? Uh, it's not like that and it's, uh, they know this player it's not that kind of player that he will be happy sitting in the bench waiting for Benzema to get tired to, to have his opportunity. So for me, uh, it, I think it would be a very strange operation for, for Real Madrid as far as we, as we know the, the Blancos. Right, that is our anti-Ronaldo contractual <laughs> obligation fulfilled. <laughs> uh, let's focus now then, shall we, on the game. Portugal against Switzerland. I think out of all of them, this is one of the hardest to call, isn't it? I, always, I, thought, this is, I thought Croatia was going to be tight and this one's going to be tight as well. It is, and especially if Switzerland allows themselves to actually showcase what they can do in the field in the manner in which they did against Serbia. Now, in order to do that, they also expose themselves defensively, and they showed to be vulnerable defensively. I hope that Switzerland comes out and plays, and I hope that they actually are willing to take some chances going forward, because I do think that they can trouble Portugal defensively. I think there are vulnerabilities defensively for Portugal. But if Switzerland just decides to 
you know what, we're just gonna drop off, we're gonna absorb pressure and this is how we're gonna win this game, then I'm all Portugal all the time. I think Portugal has too much talent in the attacking half and eventually we're gonna see big performances, individual performances, whether that's Bruno, whether that's Ronaldo, whether that's Rafael Leao coming off the bench, they just have too much going on forward. I think Portugal wins this match. Gemma, who are you taking? I'm taking Portugal because uh, they have so much talent. My concern is about the managing this talent. If Hernando Santos will be again brave enough to sit, if it's necessary, Cristiano Ronaldo in the mini, minute uh, 60, uh, if, if, if the game really needs it. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of, uh, there is a lot of ta talent there, so I'll go with Portugal. Gap. I'm going Portugal 100%. I'll tell you what, if Switzerland do sit back uh, and Cristiano starts, that's a really dumb way to play against Cristiano because it means Cristiano's sitting there in the area waiting for balls to come in and, you know, and he's up against Shar or whoever uh, and, and Akanji. I like my Cristiano chances there. So um, like I, we know there's been issues with, with Portugal and whatever else, but... Just top to bottom, I think they are too strong. And with regards to the Serbia game, you know, in the end, this is the Portugal team that, what, conceded two goals in the first half against the Serbia side that, that really were a bit of a mess. So um, I, I think Switzerland, all right, all props to them. We unsung heroes, blah, blah, blah. But I think the run ends right here. Uh, thank you very much, Gab. Stay with us. Gab will be with us for extra time. Gemma will say thank you very much to you. Good luck to Spain, of course, tomorrow. Uh, just a reminder, the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast is uh, available now. Be sure to go over to the website and check it out. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Away from the World Cup, the FA Cup replays take place on Wednesday. Stockport County against Charlton. Gillingham then on Thursday take on Danigan and Redbridge. You can check out those games here live on Plus.
that is it then. That brings us to the end of today's show. Fear not, though. Extra time is next. Gab is back. We haven't heard from Gab for a while. Uh I'm sure he's got some long anecdotes that we can all enjoy about (laughs) the World Cup. Uh, Ali's staying with us as well. This is FC Extra Time, brought to you by Globen. Hello, welcome into the ESPN FC studios. Ali with me here. Gab Marcotti as well. It's been a while. Gab, how are you? What? I'm good. I was expecting the extra time music. This is the extra time music. You can't hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. There oh, you go. A... Oh, there he oh, is. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, look oh, at that. Oh, the shoulder bump. I yeah. see. Oh, oh, look at him. What the... does the balcony overlook, Gab? What's behind you there? Behind me is the uh, Corniche, which is uh, kind of like the boardwalk. You know the boardwalk oh. in Atlantic City? This is the uh, yes. Doha version, which is in some ways slightly different from uh, yeah. uh, from AC, but there's a big fan zone, and uh, we're right next to Saudi House. You know, bucket loads of fun there. So it's, um, yeah, it's where a lot of people come and, uh, come and gather, uh, especially at ev- in the evenings after the sunsets, because during the day it's very hot. Oh, last time I was at Boardwalk was on Western Supermare Alley, okay. which is a seaside attraction in England, which I imagine is slightly different to, to what Gab <laughs> is talking about. Do no, you want to tell us about that, no, Dan? No donkey rides oh. in the background of many machines. Uh, for Gab, what's one thing you've loved about being in Qatar for the World Cup, and what's one thing you haven't really enjoyed much? So one thing I, I've really liked about this World Cup, um, well, I'll give you two quick things. One is the lack of, of travel, um, you know, flying around to city to city. It is taxing and it is a colossal time suck. Um, the other thing is a lot of the people that you meet, I know it sounds cheesy or so on, but relative to Russia where a lot of normal people, they're kind of like general setting is, is a bit burly-esque. You know, it's kind of set to grumpy most of the time. Um, <laughs> Here, everybody's smiling. Everybody's really, really kind and and, and, and helpful. Um, I, so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. One thing I haven't liked, and I think that I see this creeping into World Cups, is these fans who dress up wearing like weird clothes and whatnot. And I'm kind of thinking, when did this start? I don't remember this from World Cups growing up. You know, I, and I guess it's people mugging for the cameras and whatever, and let me go and dress like like a weirdo. You know, like it's one thing if you know you're you're, you're from Ghana, you wear your colors, or Brazil, or whatever, that's fine. But 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 you see people wearing these weirdo costumes. I'm like, it's not Halloween. It's a football match. I'm just reminded how the World Cup is football, but it's not the kind of football we talk about every day on 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 FC, where we talk about club football. This is something completely different. Are you passive-aggressively having a go at Jules and his football shirt uh, mm. collection there? Mm. <laughs> we talk about fancy dress. <laughs> <laughs> no, the guys wearing football shirts, fine. You know, uh, you're going to a football match, you want to wear a replica kit, that's fine. They got no issue with it. But seriously, I've seen people dressed like, like, like dinosaurs. I've seen all sorts of cosplay here. I, I, I've seen people, saw a guy dressed as a toothbrush in, uh, you know, decked out in the Polish colors. And I'm thinking to myself, why? What, what is this? You want to be, you know, a lot of the fans you meet here at the World Cup, I suspect, are not fans 
who go to week go to football matches regularly week in week out. I think these are people they treat it like the Monaco Grand Prix, they, they, they right. treat it like the Kentucky Derby, whatever. You know, they're here for the event, and that's fine. Um, it's just different. That, that's all I'm saying. I thought he would have said the fact that his building flooded. That that would have. Well, been yes, because the interesting thing is, Gab, you're in the posh building oh. on the, at the penthouse. <laughs> yes. Well, like Jules is slumming it with Mark Ogden. Yes. We know Nadem's with Sam, uh, but uh, you've had some issues in your building. Mm. That's right. We have a rooftop pool. We have multiple rooftop pools, actually, wow. which are actually closed okay. to the public. And um, now they say <laughs> it's it, good. We it don't want them. We don't want any associated in the pool. So much water. <laughs> so much water came down. Uh, I, I think I, I shared a video of like uh, some poor guy, like he couldn't open. He says there's water coming out of his apartment. He couldn't open the door to his apartment because of the water pressure coming the other day, the, the other way. So uh, that was an event. Fortunately, I'm on the ninth floor, and all this stuff was happening up in the 30s. So uh, I wasn't affected. Do you have um, kind of a fear of missing out thing going on, seeing all the love that that Seb and Jules and Nadem have had, Gab? Mm. Well, I I see Jules almost every day here at the set. So I I generally have my, my Jules fit. No, look, I'm... Listen, I'm in a building with all these Argentina fans, some of our colleagues from ESPN Argentina. I've got the legendary Oscar Ruggeri in my building. I have Hercules Gomez across the hall. What wow. more could I want? Wow. Wow. Uh, standard is low. Yeah. And by the way, by the way, it's a, you know, so, well, no, 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 no. I just want to point this out. When, when okay. people give me stick for the fact that, you know, I'm in the so-called posh building, right? Seb and Herc are together all the time, right? Did Herc want to be with Seb? In his time off? No. He's with me in my building. So, you know, draw <laughs> oh, your own conclusions. Hey, oh, yes. life, yeah. life is made of choices, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know that there was a winning choice there for Herc. Uh, for all, should Real Madrid sign Richarlison as their eventual long-term Benzema replacement? No. I, I think Real Madrid are in the market for something else. Right. Uh, and Richardson has been great for Brazil and has been really productive and he, he works perfectly in, within this group. Uh, I, I think Real Madrid will be looking for a different profile of player. Here we go, <clears throat> time to upset Spurs fans. Oh. Do you think this World Cup will see him get a move to a big club, Gab? Oh, there we go. That'll oh. do it. Spurs fans, <laughs> he's obviously already at a, at a, at a big club. Um, <laughs> I, listen, listen, I I think, I don't know if Richarlison views Tottenham as a, as a stepping stone or whatever, but I think even Tottenham fans would recognize that Real Madrid are kind of in a different stratosphere, possibly to every other club uh, in, in the world. But I, I think the days when players when were, were judged on what they could do in World Cups, those are long gone. If Richarlison gets a move, it's going to be based on what he does week in, week out in the Premier League. And I might add, as wonderful as he is for Brazil, let's not forget, this guy isn't an automatic choice in Tottenham starting 11. When everybody's fit, we've seen Conte, you know, preferring Kulusevski or Son to him. So, you know, I, I still think there is a ways to go in terms of anointing him as a Real Madrid caliber center forward. What's the ceiling for Vinicius? Before we, how good was his finish today? Because I oh. thought, why is he taking so long? 
Right, and so in, in order to answer that, you have to sort of go back to a year, year and a half ago, where maybe he would have taken just as long, but it's because he was having difficulties trapping the ball. Because he was maybe thinking about how am I gonna finish this, overthink it, overdo it, and now the chance is gone. Or maybe he takes it first time and puts it into the 20th row, which we have seen him do in the past. But over the last 18 months or so, the improvement has been very, very clear, very evident. And what we saw today from Vini Jr. was confidence. I trust that I'm gonna take a good first touch. I trust that I'm gonna get my head up. And I trust that I'm just gonna massage this ball into the back of the net. That is a player who knows what he's doing on the field and he's allowing his body to take over in moments where he needs to execute. And just as good was the, goal, the ball to Paqueta. Yeah. Everybody's crashing the near post. Everybody's crashing into the penalty, pose, the penalty spot and the middle of the goal. And he just calmly, again, I, can't, I cannot stress this enough, calmly just flip, flipping the ball over to Paqueta, the trailing run, beautifully done, outside of the right foot. His ceiling continues to get higher and higher because with every game, he shows us more evidence that he continues to get better. Uh, Gab, how many times have you heard these sort of jokes as we take a look at the next tweet? Your thoughts on Italy not getting into the last eight? Oh, no. Both hands are the same, right? Um, I'd, argue, I'd argue that when you have four World Cups at home, unless you're Brazilian, right? Shut up. Your four uh, World they, Cups at home, it's good to let somebody else have a go. We're not selfish like Germany. They also have four at home, right? And they said, nine, nine, we need to get more, we need to get more. <laughs> and they show up for the second straight tournament. They go home in the first round, right? They go home with the Wales. You know what? Good for you, Germany. Glad you enjoyed it. It's another four years where, you know, we can say only Brazil has won more World Cups than Italy. I think they've got, they've got four at home, haven't they, Germany, Gam? Which means they have not won more World Cups than Italy. There's four. Well, why did four. you say they're, nine? They're, they're equal. I'd much rather not. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Okay, no, second part of the... Listen, I'd much rather not go to the World Cup than come to a World Cup and be humiliated with a first-round exit, tw two World Cups in a row. And I speak oh. from experience, because Italy had World Cups exits in 2010 and 2014. See, you've wound him up now, this tweet. <laughs> On a serious note, Gab, who has been the best player of the tournament so far, considering the fact that you do not always go with the public's choice? Oh, it's a... You ask me questions where I actually have to think about it? Um, I think Messi was, Messi was really good in the, in, in the last couple games. Um, if you, you're at your, but you want somebody off me from me, so I know. So... Um, Vardyol, I think, has been really good in the Croatian uh, defense. There Does that out. count as the no. offbeat choice? I, I need to think about it. Well, there All you right. are. See? No, less contrarian this World uh, Cup. Yeah. Croatia are still in it. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> I've, I've already got Brazil <laughs> knocking them out. <laughs> no, no. They're still in it. On that subject, Dan, one for you. What will you do if England make the final and play Brazil? Mm. Is your happiness more important than your significant other? Mm. Mm. My wife being Brazilian, of course. Aha, uh -huh. well, it could seize us. Answer this very carefully, Dan. No, England. I don't. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't care about... Well, okay, so if Brazil wins, that's good because she'll be happy. So right. she's happy, that makes my life easier. And if England win, I'm happy because England have won. So we're both, everyone's a winner. No, not Brazil is not a winner. Well, I'm a winner, either way. I think that's where we're going with this. <laughs> and that's the main thing. Beautiful. Uh, Gab, thank you very much. It's been great to have you on. Um, Ali, thank you as well. ESPN FC uh, back on your screen tomorrow to reflect on Spain against Morocco. Portugal taking on Switzerland as well. Uh, be sure to join us then. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 